Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very pleased to be joined by two friends of the show who've been on the show several times. In fact, this being their third appearance, they are qualifying for uh, refrigerator magnets. All of it is very exciting, but let's dispense with the amenities. Welcome back to the show, Ron Reed and Greg Rosenbaum, the, the founders of South by Southwest EDU. It is South by Southwest DDU season. This is gonna drop on Thursday, March 4th, and the conference is starting a week after. So uh, it's a very zeitgeisty, timely opportunity to talk to these two gentlemen, Ron and Greg. Welcome back to Trending in Education. It's awesome to, to see you, Mike, and it's a, a real pleasure. We, we know uh, South by is approaching when we're together on a podcast with you, so it's a real treat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah always great to be here, Mike. Yeah, we go back simply two years ago, although it feels like lifetimes ago, when we met at South by Southwest EDU in 2019, we recorded a live episode of Trending in Education at the Expo Hall there amidst the, the robots and, and other learning apparatuses. And then we interviewed in a conference room, the conference was being held, and that was when we first met. And I do remember likening it to being on Air Force One, where I had both both the president and the vice president in the situation room, and I felt like I didn't want to screw it up. But that was only two years ago, and it feels like a lifetime ago. And then we were expecting to do great things together in 2020, and then the pandemic hit. That was like the Empire Strikes Back phase of, of our trilogy. But now, leaning into this season, and then we're going to talk about the future, there is an online version of South by Southwest EDU. South by Southwest EDU is online. It's gone virtual. That's what's launching next week. So we wanted to talk about that, but we also just wanted to get some perspective on the incredible transformations and challenges that we've all faced over the past year, really, since since the pandemic hit. Plenty to talk about. Where shall we start? What do, what do you guys want to talk about? It's been a heck of a year since we were last together. We were looking forward to seeing everybody in Austin, and, and we all learned about this pandemic, uh, and it was very new news for all of us. And it's been really a heck of, of a year, certainly for organizations like South by Southwest and for the event business. But when we think about the, the community we serve and educators, the challenges they faced, and frankly, it's a global challenge in yeah. many ways uh, mm -hmm. across every sector. I, I recall when the city canceled the event right before South by EDU, it was really heart-wrenching, I'll say, for everybody on the team and for so many speakers and participants. A year later, looking back on it, I feel like I give the city a lot more credit than perhaps I did in the moment. Yeah. Um, one of the last business trips I took before South by last year was to a meeting in New Orleans and they were at the cusp of Mardi Gras. And mm. of course that had some far reaching implications. And so again, looking back, it was maybe a smarter decision than it all felt that in the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's been a heck of a year since then. Yeah. And it's amazing just to reflect on decision-making is something I keep coming back to on uh, this show, how day-to-day decision-making has become so much more central to everyone's thinking and the different ways in which you have to think about making short, medium, and long-term decisions and the level to which there are lives on the line and people, including at times even yourself, need to take care of themselves because it is a very difficult time. Well, I was just going to add, I'd echo a lot of what Ron shared. For an organization that's been 30 plus years, valuing in-person experience 
both in hosting an event and as an organization, it's just been totally transformative. And I, you know, we went through the phase of unpacking a festival that never happened in person to trying to put pieces of that Mm -hmm. online for some support for the community and and, and the broader education ecosystem. Yeah. That having to rebuild and revision something that met people where they're at. And there's something about sitting back and resting on your laurels of producing a large scale festival in Austin every year that we've not been able to do any part of. And so we've really had to become learners and observers of all the challenges that we're facing right now in the middle of a pandemic Mm -hmm. and find ways to bring something of value to the people that we serve when we're largely in person convening. And it's just a lot of lessons learned throughout that process. Yeah. When you start dreaming and scheming about the future now, the hybrid mixes, particularly when you see technology like, you know, augmented reality, mixed reality emerging. Yeah, a, a quick reaction is, yeah, I think there are a lot of new learnings all around us that were scrambled approaches demanded in the moment that we're all learning from. And we see that a lot in classrooms and campuses, uh, the communities we serve and have experienced it as well. You mentioned as, as well the challenge in some ways of planning in, in, in many respects. We went through half a year thinking, wondering if there might be a different option for us than a completely digital experience this right. year. And, and so I think it, is, it has led us to a sort of focus in the moment, at least on, on this event, which the transition from what we increasingly refer to as IRL in real life to a digital experience, I think we're going to have a lot of learnings coming out of this and the extent to which those endure and inform the work going forward. I'm, I'm maybe trying not to get too far ahead over my skis on sure. what we really go through this experience. But but as I visit with colleagues and folks that we work with, and again, in classrooms and, and institutions and so forth, it's one of the fun questions I often have is what are some of the learnings that we think will endure mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the resetting of priorities and focus and energy that the pandemic has caused? Um, for, for us, at least, I, I think we're approaching this March with a great deal of excitement, uh, a little bit of trepidation to Greg's point. It's a new thing that we yeah. haven't really done before, but I'm excited to produce this year's experience and see what those learnings are as we move forward with it. Mm-hmm. We'll test the model this year, but the, the approach we've taken is there are some things that virtual provides unique value that you can't capture in person. Mm-hmm. And in person provides some value that you can't capture virtually. There's value in both spaces. I know one of the things that we're going to be sad to be missing is the serendipitous mm-hmm. connection at the coffee store on the corner yeah. between sessions. That, that's really hard to fabricate in an, in an environment that's all virtual, but there's also a lot more intention behind people's approach to content that they're going to attend between how they're going to network and how they're going to engage in the setting. And so in some ways we're replacing serendipity with intention and, and there, there's a lot of value there yeah. as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but that's at least been a lot of our thinking. How do we play to the, the high value experiences that virtual provides? Yeah. And if there's a virtual Franklin's barbecue available, <laughs> let me know because that's definitely on my list. I do like the idea of looking ahead. There is a real opportunity to start envisioning a new future in light of this transformative year. And that's the thing that since in many ways, South by Southwest EDU is a a convocation of sorts. It's a bringing together of people who are gonna bounce ideas off each other. The 
the opportunity to bounce new ideas in new ways is almost exponentially greater than it would have been otherwise. That's where my wheels do get turning around like the, the intellectual firepower, the people who are passionate about this stuff are all going to be getting together in March to start imagining the future in new ways. That's a really exciting opportunity. I think lots of times we're benchmarked against physical versus non-physical. I think just putting that aside, the timing of this conversation and your readiness to host it, I think gets us to an interesting place. And then you add to that, I believe Oprah Winfrey is your keynote, not to mention Michael Sorrell and, and other people who are on my personal Mount Rushmore. Can we talk a little bit about what the goals are for this cycle and the themes that you're seeing? Yeah, by all means. And I'll, I'll maybe defer to Greg a, a little bit on themes and tracks, but I think at a high level, we think about those things that we've always thought about, like even in the in-person convening, our objectives in some ways haven't changed how we access them has, but we still love the opportunity to highlight best practices for the community and have them engage in that sharing. We think that's one of the real values of the experience. To Greg's point, the opportunity to connect with colleagues, new and old, is another one. We think a lot about not only in person, but as we're uh, approaching the online, how do we inspire folks and how do we have fun uh, along the way with it? So I think the tool set maybe changes, but our, our fundamental goals of, of bringing community together, I think, endure. And so I, I think that, again, to the earlier point, opportunities have been really helpful for us, I think, to critique the well-worn paths we've done for over a decade in terms of how we access those fundamental values we try to land, yeah. but then re revision them a, a little bit. And so Greg and the team have done, I, I think, some really great work in trying to reimagine how to support the community in this moment through a shorter form programming, a, a more concentrated collection of, uh, of tracks and, and so forth. And again, I'll, I'll hush it and let Greg elaborate, but the quick point of comparison I'll, I'll share is that to the observation about serendipity and connections, South by Music, Film, EDU, are all these cornucopias of goodness and there are these sensory overloads. And I, I think for us in this moment, we're thinking about how do we, again, to Greg's, I, I think, really eloquent point, how do we replace serendipity with intentionality and really support a community mm -hmm. in the moment? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and just to, to touch on Oprah and Dr. Bruce yeah. Perry as a keynote. That's really a phenomenal piece of programming that by times maybe could be inaccessible because of some of the barriers that in-person events provide, that travel, timing, yep. what have you. So the fact that we have the ability to be flexible on scheduling, on recording and, and producing and broadcasting content means that we have an opportunity to reach out to people that are passionate about the work that's being done, but maybe haven't had the ability to come to the table and share that with the community. Yeah. Yeah. And then how about the tracks or the themes? Because our listeners probably know about South by Southwest EDU, but they may not know who's your intended audience. How do you think about your, your goals and objectives? Folks may not have heard that. So if you could share that and a little bit of perspective on the tracks or the, the themes that folks are being intentional about. Sure, sure. We like to say we serve the full education ecosystem, anything from early learning, K-12, higher education, workforce development, and within those sectors, not just educators, but business leaders. And, and it's really all about breaking down some of the barriers that exist within the silos in education and bringing community together. And so that's the lens that we've always looked at the content through. Mm -hmm. And that's what we try to bring, especially in this year. We typically have 
something like 16 tracks. And this year we're down to eight tracks. So mm. a much more focused program. And one of the biggest changes we made is we removed the call-outs to specific K-12 or higher ed content and then encompassed it in practice in pedagogy or equity and justice or global mm -hmm. impact and found that I think in this moment, as we think about how all the different sectors are responding to something that we're all dealing with the pandemic, yeah. that there's a lot of universality to how to address those challenges. And mm -hmm. it, it's been great to see in the panel picker process as content came in, as we selected the best of the best and put it on the program. Throughout that process, we kept on seeing that there were these trends and what was being discussed and what was being talked about. And it wasn't as siloed or specific to one segment of the education ecosystem. And so it just felt like a validating experience to get to this point where I think anyone who's in any part of the education ecosystem will get something out of just about every piece of content we have at the event this year. Yeah, as someone in a similar place doing this show every week, I, I feel very similarly. I wound up focusing more on K-12 and higher ed than I ever expected to in the past year because I thought a lot of the cutting edge stuff was happening either on early childhood or, or lifelong learning and that the institutional parts of the educational system were slow to move. So I was really more interested in elsewhere. But the past year has forced me to think about them because they're being forced to transform and a lot of the innovation, as I see it, is going to be when folks can start looking laterally and seeing what kind of solutions are working in workforce development or in higher ed or in K-12. And rather than everyone focusing within their own silo and their own expertise, I think the more that we can do information sharing among learning professionals and folks who care about the future of learning, that's the opportunity that was getting me excited before. And then what sorts of themes, you're going to curate your own conference experience a bit, what sort of topics or areas of, of focus are, are most interesting to, to each of you? Yeah, a quick reaction or, and, and comment or two. First of all, I think to your point that South by EDU's community is so interdisciplinary and across this whole range of, of learning, I think creates a richness to the conversation that we always enjoy in that respect. One thing that I've been taken with, Mike, is just education is a bit of a reflection of these broader issues that are going on. And so certainly from an educational lens, there's the, the practice in pedagogy and there's the best practices associated with online learning and so forth. But mm -hmm. I think to the point you were just making uh, about workforce development and skills, if we look at the economic impact of the last year, we have a track associated with the, the future of work, reimagined work. I think there's a really rich conversation to be had there. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we've always been proud about South by EDU is above and beyond classroom and the campus conversations We've leaned into the broader social conversations about equity and access and gender, yes. et cetera, which are, of course, very vibrant and dynamic. And we're also seeing, again, a lot of cultural content associated with civics and media literacy and, and some reflections, again, not only of the past year, but beyond a, a more specific lens that have resonated with me. The, the mention of Ms. Winfrey is something that I, I to return to. She's bringing a, a, a really important topic and conversation to South Bay to you that I, I think is indicative in, of the uniqueness of the community we convene and the topics we wade into. And it, it has to do with trauma and how what happens to one early in life is such a big determinant on how they behave and, and how they make decisions in the future. 
She's co-writing a book with Dr. Bruce Perry, who is a brain development specialist and a trauma specialist. And coincidentally, for years, has been working in the Austin public schools, helping support the local school district address issues of trauma. Mm -hmm. I'm recalling, I I think it was one of your trends, self-care and Mm -hmm. and such. And so the notion of trauma is, I think, especially timely in this moment across all of the sectors that we're discussing. And again, as much as we love the the best practices and the lean in on, on formative as opposed to summative assessment, I think these broader social and cultural conversations are really compelling to us and, and, and something we really enjoy shining a light on and helping elevate for a broader interaction with the community. Yeah, this is where I often quote Whitney Houston and say, I get social emotional baby. You're welcome. That's how I get the downloads, guys. There's certain, <laughs> certain things we have to do. What about reflecting back on the year that was and looking to the year ahead, uh, transformations around public health, the issues around social justice accelerated in ways that that we were not anticipating, the broader conversation about race and gender equity and, and all those things are moving forward. And then we're also expecting a massive vaccine operation to continue to power through the year. Any thoughts on what's emerging? Because in a lot of ways, education is the leading story many nights in ways that I was not really anticipating. There may be more broad interest in education than ever before. Any perspective on the responsibility in some ways to step up to this challenge and look ahead? It's it's really a, a beautiful question. When we launched South by EDU, it was to celebrate educators the same way we do other sectors socially in tech and in music and in film. And to your point, education is well noted and uh, referenced and is endemic to the conversation that is that we're all having always. That's been a, a, a really fundamental and important shift in that respect. I think that along with that comes some gravitas beyond just celebrating really the hunger of the community to drive to impact. And we've endeavored to highlight and and celebrate that over the years, but I I think there is a, a, a real hunger to change things that are broken. And there has always been that hunger, but there is a sense of urgency maybe for impact that I, I feel is a stronger element of the conversation mm-hmm. uh, that, that we've had in the past. Yeah, it feels like a social movement has been unlocked. And then also we're, our thoughts uh, really go out to everyone in Texas. I know both of you have said you're doing okay in light of some of the recent weather events that have been happening in the response to that. But it does feel like you were touching on this before, Ron, this is broader shared consciousness that I think we all have because we're all sheltering at home together and then the stakes have gone up so much that it's almost like we've been forced to develop more empathy and be more emotionally present. And I think that does potentially create some opportunity to do some of the healing that it sounds like the, the, the trauma conversation gets us in that direction. Also forgiveness and grace. Almost the spiritual element of, of education, to some extent, is something that, that I'm finding some solace in. And, and also the meaning that you get in overcoming suffering is another thing that you know I've certainly felt. And I remember this, again, thinking back to 2019, but these sorts of themes about weaving together the, the social fabric and mending some of the polarization that we've felt 
it does feel like there's an opportunity to activate against some of these ideas. You know, in some ways, taking the classroom out of the classroom and into the world, into the communities in which students are being served, just brings home the point of how important it is to reflect those communities and the classes and the, the courses and the curriculum that are being taught. And I think we're seeing a lot of reflection on updating text, literacy, curriculum, yeah. mm -hmm. what are really the issues of equity and access and how does that look? Yeah. How do we talk about what's going on in the world, movement for racial justice, and, and, and have those dialogues in a meaningful way and, and a very partisan state within our country. And, yeah. and those are all things that education has to serve. The other thing that's a piece of that is that parents are, are playing an increasingly important role in how that education is delivered. Yes. And so centering parents and students in education right now has been one of the through lines or the stories of the last year. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that in a lot of the content that, that's coming in at the event and just the conversations that people are hungry to have. So I hope that as we return to the classroom, we carry that work forward about how we engage parents, students, and the community in the learning that's being done in all these communities across the country. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I am curious, one hot topic that I wanted to get your, your take on and then maybe get you to, to look into your crystal balls and start thinking about further out in the future before we wrap. But what about high stakes testing? It does feel like that topic is bubbling up in some really uh, interesting ways. And I have a long history. I've worked at Kaplan for many years, Kaplan Test Prep. And I understand many of the challenges, many of the different dimensions of it, but I do think it is something that I've certainly been reflecting on more in light of the pandemic. And I'd be curious if either of you have any perspective on that particular topic, and then we can go in more into the free form phase where uh, any other ideas, any other things that are capturing your imagination? Yeah, it's certainly a pretty, pretty vibrant topic. And, and there is in Texas right now in K-12, deep roots in No Child Left Behind and accountability as a movement. The state's desire to proceed with an accountability measure this year, re recognizing that given the experience of the year, I, I think that the, the assumption is the scores are not relevant, but provide some benchmarking along the way. And, and that, of course, fosters a whole bunch of discussion and controversy and argument back and forth on it. But I, I think the topic of learning loss over the last year drives great hunger to understand how to correct it. But having said that, one of the things we're noticing, and maybe this comes from the empathy that we have all been immersed in the last year, is the greater import on formative rather than summative assessments. Like, where are we today? What do we need to do to go forward as opposed to this use of measures to, to reward and punish in various ways. And mm -hmm. so I think there, it remains a very vibrant conversation locally. And I, I presume nationally as well, we see a, a lot continuing to bubble up around the whole accountability uh, movement still. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that runs right up against the importance of grace and understanding that the kids aren't always in the right place to, to take these tests. And I've been reflecting also on learning loss as being almost exclusively cognitive in nature and it's not necessarily thinking about the other social and human dimensions of how children and, and adults need to continue to develop because it does feel like some of the weathering we've all taken over the past year has helped us 
grow. Any thoughts about what the, the future might hold in education? Any possible futures out there that are capturing your imagination? I think one of the things your 21 trends highlighted were uh, in, in light of online learning, the explosion of relevance of virtual experiences and augmented experiences and the richness of opportunities to explore those, not only for learning, but for skills development, for workforce training, and so forth. And so certainly, as we have the good fortune of being in this tech center right yeah. now with a credible explosion going on with Tesla and Oracle and AMD and Apple and so many large-scale campuses coming. There is an energy about the innovation economy and its implications for the future that I think will only become richer in the years to come. Mm-hmm. I think maybe walking backward one sec, what, what I'm trying to relate in some fashion is that Learning certainly has to do with skills and social and emotional, but I think we've also come to appreciate the connection of schools and the systems to issues of food, issues of access of technology. I was listening to a a conversation about empathy and equity and there being similar attributes. And the example was giving everybody a Chromebook is equality, giving hotspots where they're needed is really one of of equity. And so I, I think in some ways, the growth of this conversation to not only be about academic learning, but the social supports that are, are, are provided as a function of the system is something that will continue to, to probably grow in vibrancy as we uh, address issues of equity and access more broadly. I know you follow him uh, a lot, Greg, so I know that's tough to follow, but any perspective from you there? Yeah, I'm often in the position of batting cleanup to Ron, so that is uh... A comfortable place for me. I think it goes without saying that as an organization that supports in-person convenings, I think we see a bright future for that to return someday and be it within education and in other settings that that human connection is a powerful thing and, and lacking that is really tough. But I think we also are accepting that there are things that the in-person experience maybe didn't do as well as, as virtual and personally thinking that there's there are aspects of this that is almost like more personalized learning, that there are people that maybe thrived in this setting that didn't thrive in in-person or vice versa. And so my hope is that this is just another phase of forced acceptance of, of the different learning models for different students and, and meeting them where they're at and helping them grow and develop in that way. And also redefining what a student is. There's maybe an ingrained sense of a student in a certain age demographic, but really we're saying with such a big workforce that's going to go through reskilling and that we're really all in an environment in the next five to 10 years where we're likely to undergo some learning and development, that we're all students, we're all lifelong learners. And if you redevelop what we're thinking about as students that are affected in this pandemic and, and going forward, broadening that definition is a really important thing to be accepted, not just in the education community, but society-wide. Awesome. So get ready for the technology explosion. Keep in mind the grace and social kindness and and then get gear up because the reskilling is coming to you whether you're ready for it or not. So why not try to get out ahead of the curve? You want to get out of, ahead of the curve, you're listening to this podcast. Uh, you're going to want to go to the right conferences. If it's early March, the right conference to go to is South by Southwest EDU. The website is sxswedu.com. sxswedu.com. And it's the place to be in early March. Trending and Ed will be there. I'll be there. Ron Reed and Greg Rosenbaum will be 
running the whole thing. Best of luck to you. Break some legs. Mazel tov. It's going to be an amazing run. Ron Reed and Greg Rosenbaum, thank you again for joining us on Trending in Education. Always a pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. And for our listeners, if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend, subscribe, share us, write us a review, enjoy. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.